Hey, everybody, it's episode 10 of the Win at Work podcast, the podcast that gives you the tools to build a wildly successful career, the podcast that will help you go from hired to high potential. This is Kiana Williams. I'm the author of Win at Work, a career roadmap for building a wildly successful career available online at Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. And I'm your host. The Win at Work podcast is produced every other week for your education and enjoyment. So come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud and be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us there at Win at Work. Now, let's get into the show. This week, we're talking about feedback. Specifically, I'm reviewing the book, Thanks for the Feedback. The Science and Art of Receiving Feedback Well by Sheila Heen and Douglas Stone, professors of negotiation at Harvard Law School and co-authors of Difficult Conversations. If you want to exponentially improve your career, then you need to get really good at receiving feedback. In my book, I identify the skills of giving and receiving feedback as one of the most essential for anyone looking to transform their career and get ahead. Here's why. Only 36% of managers complete appraisals thoroughly and on time. In one recent survey, 55% of employees said that their most recent performance review had been unfair or inaccurate. And one in four said they dread such evaluations more than anything else in their working lives. When senior HR executives were asked about their biggest performance management challenge, 63% cited managers' inability or unwillingness to have difficult feedback discussions. What's behind these statistics? The fear of what's on the other side of the feedback. To attempt to combat this, companies spend a lot of money and resources developing leaders' ability to give feedback. Unfortunately, less attention is given to helping those on the receiving end filter through the avalanche of feelings that arise or how to find something constructive in the message. This is the premise of Thanks for the Feedback, the science and art of receiving feedback well. According to the authors, improving the skills of the feedback giver won't accomplish much if the receiver isn't able to absorb what is said. It is the receiver who controls whether feedback is let in or kept out, who has to make sense of what he or she is hearing, and who decides whether or not to change. People should stop treating feedback only as something that must be pushed and instead improve their ability to pull. And thanks for the feedback, Heen and Stone help us understand that while receiving feedback can be difficult, doing it well can be taught. With a good mix of simplicity and humor, the book couples tangible and practical strategies with the latest research from the fields of neuroscience and psychology. I knew I was going to enjoy this book when I read this from the introduction. Before you tell me how to do it better, before you lay out your big plans for changing, fixing, and improving me, before you teach me how to pick myself up and dust myself off so that I can be shiny and successful, know this. I've heard it before. I've been graded, rated, and ranked. Coached, screened, and scored. I've been picked first, picked last, and not picked at all. And that was just kindergarten. (laughs) So what makes receiving feedback so hard? Well, according to the authors, it's because the actual feedback process strikes at the tension between our common human need to learn and grow and our need to be accepted just the way we are. 
As a result, even a seemingly benign or harmless suggestion can leave you feeling angry, anxious, badly treated, or even profoundly threatened. Getting better at receiving feedback starts with understanding and managing those feelings. You might think there are a thousand ways in which feedback can push your buttons, but in fact, according to the authors, there are only three. Stone and Heen identify three categories of feedback cues or triggers that cause problems for feedback receivers, truth, relationship, and identity triggers. First, truth triggers are set off by the content of the feedback. When assessments or advice seem off base, unhelpful, or simply untrue, you feel indignant, wronged, and exasperated. Relationship triggers, on the other hand, are tripped by the person providing the feedback. Exchanges are often colored by what you believe about the giver. She has no credibility on this topic. Or how you feel about your previous interactions with the giver. After all I've done for him, I get this petty criticism. So you might reject coaching that you would accept on its merits if it came from someone else. And finally, identity triggers. These are all about your relationship with yourself. Whether the feedback is right or wrong or even wise, it can be devastating if it causes your sense of who you are to come undone. In such moments, you'll struggle with feeling overwhelmed, defensive, or even off balance. In the section, How Good Do I Have to Be?, the authors discuss the art of receiving and sometimes gracefully rejecting feedback during conversations with people you may not want to hear from through the use of boundaries. Being able to establish limits on the feedback you get is crucial to your well-being and the health of your relationships. According to Heen and Stone, being able to say no is not a skill that runs parallel to the skill of receiving feedback well. It's actually at the heart of it. In the Navigate the Conversation section, they delve into listening and how to open and close conversations constructively. I love the advice to listen to your internal voice and the importance of acknowledging that voice, particularly if that voice is shouting. (laughs) Find ways to listen even when conversations are hard to negotiate. From the book, Creating Pool is about mastering the skills required to drive our own learning. It's about how to recognize and manage our resistance, how to engage in feedback conversations with confidence and curiosity, even when the feedback seems wrong, how to find insight that might help us grow. It's also about how to stand up for who we are and how we see the world and ask for what we need. It's about how to learn from feedback, yes, even when it is off base, unfair, poorly delivered, and frankly, you're not in the mood. And finally, the authors map out five actions to take to solicit feedback, test out the feedback you're getting, accelerate your learning, and assess your growth. They are name one thing, try small experiments, write out the J-curve, coach your coach, and invite them. So let's explore two. With Name One Thing, the authors advocate a more thoughtful and strategic approach to getting comfortable getting the feedback you need. In a nutshell, they say feedback is less likely to set off your emotional triggers if you request it and direct it. So don't wait until your annual performance review. 
find opportunities to get bite-sized pieces of coaching from a variety of people throughout the year. Don't invite criticism with a big unfocused question like, do you have any feedback for me? Make the process more manageable by asking a colleague, a boss, or a direct report. What's one thing you see me doing or failing to do that holds me back? That person may name the first behavior that comes to mind or the most important one on their list. Either way, you'll get concrete information and can tease out more specifics at your own pace. Research has shown that those who explicitly seek critical feedback, meaning those who are not just fishing for praise, tend to get higher performance ratings. Why? Mainly because someone who's asking for coaching is more likely to take what is said to heart and genuinely improve. But also because when you ask for feedback, you not only find out how others see you, you also influence how they see you. Soliciting constructive criticism communicates humility, respect, passion for excellence, and confidence all in one shot. When the authors talk about try small experiments, what this means is that when someone gives you advice, it's okay to test it out. If it works, great. If it doesn't, you can try again, tweak your approach, or decide to end the experiment. Now, criticism is never easy to take even when you know that it's essential to your development and you trust the person delivering it, wants you to succeed, it can still activate those triggers we talked about earlier. You might feel misjudged and sometimes threatened to your very core. Your growth, however, depends on your ability to pull value from criticism in spite of your natural response to it and on your willingness to seek out even more advice and coaching from bosses, peers, and direct reports. They may be good or even bad at providing it, or they may have little time for it. But you are the most important factor in your own development. If you're determined to learn from whatever feedback you get, no one can stop you. In his book, The Power of Choice, Michael Heider tells a great story about how early in his career, he approached a senior leader to get constructive feedback that would support his growth and development. He was used to hearing that he was doing a great job, yet he was not advancing in the way he had hoped. He was sure there was something more he needed to hear. In his next meeting with his boss, he tried again to get the feedback that he needed. The leader started again by giving him the same meaningless platitudes that he had already heard. Determined to get better, Hyder decided to use a different approach. He gave the executive permission to be candid. As Hyder notes, When you send a strong message that you want direct feedback, and when you're willing to make the person providing the feedback feel safe giving it to you, you make yourself feedback worthy. In return, you're likely to get invaluable information that will accelerate your growth. Thanks for the feedback is definitely a must read. It's 329 pages, which may seem long to some, but it's an easy read. The book is full of useful strategies and common sense advice for looking inward and reflecting on our reactions to feedback of all sorts, whether it's related to personal or professional relationships. The authors do an exceptional job of constantly defining the big picture, giving examples of how feedback conversations might look within each category, and sharing strategies for reflecting on and considering personal ways to rethink your own reactions to feedback. And if you still need one more reason to read this book, here it is. According to a recent Harvard Business Review article, P. 
people who go out and solicit negative feedback, meaning they aren't just fishing for compliments, report higher satisfaction. They adapt more quickly to new roles, get higher performance reviews, and show others they are committed to doing their jobs. Okay, that's this week's episode of the Win and Work podcast. Did you learn something new today? Have you read or are you planning to read? Thanks for the feedback. Do you have a story to share about a positive or negative feedback experience you've had? If so, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note at podcast at winatwork.net with thanks for the feedback in the subject line and tell me your story. I just might feature you on an upcoming episode. You can always leave a comment on Facebook or Instagram. And if you love the episode, please share the link with a friend or colleague, leave a rating and write a review. It's very much appreciated. And don't forget to join me next week for another episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you.